So when it comes to money, I've got six questions for us and six answers from Scripture. And that first question on your outline there, and if you hadn't found it already through our bulletin page, there's the sermon notes section, and that'll take you to YouVersion website, or you can get there through your YouVersion app under the events and search for our church. But the first question is, where do I put my trust? When it comes to money, where do I put my trust? Not always a comfortable question, but one that we have to deal with if we're going to be honest. And of course, in church, we're going to be honest as we should be honest anywhere. And I would draw our attention to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Some of you know that. Some of you might even be able to sing it to me. You memorized it in a slightly different version. But notice what it says there. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your paths, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Think about what that says to us just as a basic and foundational scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's about your motivation and lean not on your own understanding. It's about your mind. So your heart and your mind are not based on what comes natural to us, but the faith that God calls us to, the faith to trust in Him no matter what. It's a matter of heart. So what's the hardest thing for you to trust God with? Is it your house, your credit cards, your car, your food, your health, your savings, your children, your work? It could be all those things. It's interesting, however, that we say we trust God for our eternal life. We believe that as followers of Jesus, when it is we pass from this earth, we will go to eternal glory in heaven. And we talk about that and we live like that, yet do we really? Because if we say we trust God with our eternal life, yet we don't trust Him with our money or don't trust Him with our family or don't trust Him with our needs here on earth, do we really trust Him? That we demonstrate ourselves to be hypocrites or even worse, sinful. Trust is the bottom line with money. Trust defines our stewardship. Trust defines our stewardship, that we trust God to take care of our needs. Therefore, we can steward everything He's provided for us Because it's not ours anyhow. It's His. And He just gives it to us to take care of for Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. My older version of the NIV says, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. This is one where the new version of the NIV, frankly, carries the meaning of the Hebrew word better. There's a difference between acknowledging, oh yeah, God, I acknowledge that I should trust you, versus submit. God, I submit to you. You're God, I'm not. I trust you to take care of all my needs, no matter what they are. And money is chief among those for us to 
struggle with as far as temptations. And what is the promise, though? That very last phrase. When you trust Him, when you lean on Him, not yourself, when you submit to Him, He will make your paths straight. Some of us look at our checkbook and we go, I've got more month than I've got money. How is this supposed to work? And I would say to us, have we trusted God with our priorities and balance things out because God's word promises us he'll make our path straight. In other words, he's going to provide everything we need. So where do I put my trust is our first question. You've got to recognize that God is worthy of your trust and live that out day in, day out. Easier said than done, but that's what God calls us to, faith, trust, and action. The second question on your outline, the second question on your outline is, what does God desire for me? What does God desire for me? What are His desires, not my desires? Now, uh, come back over to John chapter 10 in your Bible. So we were in the Old Testament and Proverbs. And don't just trust that it's going to be on the screen. That's there for us if we need help. But it's always good for you to have your own Bible in front of you so you can see that and read it and know where to find things and how to get there. In John 10.10, Jesus is telling a parable about the good shepherd and he mentions this famous line. The thief, who is the devil, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The devil wants nothing more to steal from us, to kill our joy, to destroy anything good that God is doing in us. But Jesus comes for quite the opposite, that we might have life and have it more abundantly, the old King James, old King James says, have it to the full, life overflowing, not life full of fear and not life controlled by worry, but life filled with faith. God desires good for us and we need to pursue him in order to receive that good from him. So how do we apply that to managing money, however? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. We know what a thief is when it comes to our possessions, don't we? I don't know about you, but it freaks me out to imagine somebody breaking into my house and staking stuff. I want to say, you know, we don't have that great of stuff anyhow, and what do we do to you? And, but the more than that, there's that violation, and some of you have been there. You've had your home broken into, and you know that this is my place, and somebody was in here. The stuff doesn't matter, but it's how you make you feel. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes to give us life, full, rich, abundant life. And that even has to do with our financial freedom, and it all comes back to our first question in our first scripture, and that's trusting Him and leaning on Him. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, that'd be the place to start. To acknowledge that you're a sinner, to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, and to commit your life to follow Him. Because that's the foundation of a relationship with God, of being a Christ follower and having full and abundant life is trusting Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. And if you're here today and you've never done that, we're going to have a gospel invitation in a few minutes. You can come down and talk to me. If you're online and you've never done that, email me, Aaron at SouthviewBaptist.org. We need to talk. It's the most important decision you can ever make. God desires us to have faith. 
in order that he might give us a full, rich, and abundant life. So our first point was about trust. Our second point asked us the question, what does God want? And we answer basically that we've got to realize that God wants us to have abundant life. He doesn't want us to struggle or worry or have fear. He wants us to have abundant life. Let's move on to your third question. Your third question is, how is my spirit? We asked about how's our trust. Now we're asking, how's our spirit? Dividing these slightly, but... Your answer there is in 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy, back towards the back of your Bible, the end of the New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. Again, a touchstone foundational scripture for believers in Jesus. This is the kind that you might have emblazoned on a t-shirt or a bracelet or even tattooed on your body somewhere if you're one of those kind of folks, and that's okay. 2 Timothy 1 7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. It gives us power, love, and self-discipline. God did not give us a spirit of fear, another translation says. And it's this idea of fear that doesn't act because it's afraid of what might happen. But what does God give us? A spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. A spirit that's in control. We've got to be willing to make a budget. We've got to be willing to manage our spending. We've got to be willing to be accountable. There's all those considerations and there's humility in those things. But there's fear, isn't there? And fear short circuits our faith because fear tells us, how am I going to do all this? How's this going to work? What are the financial areas that make you fearful most? Obviously, most of us, if we lost our job and didn't have income, that would make us fearful. Maybe it's that you aren't giving faithfully to the church as you know you've heard about tithing and you know you ought to do that and you think, how can I afford that? And you're fearful for that. Whatever it is, I would counsel you to do what the Bible says. Like our last verse, and that is, Surrender and trust. And last verse, knowing that God is going to bless us abundantly. And this verse, knowing that God gives us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline to manage our money because it's really His money. And surrendering our pride and coming to Him humbly and coming to anyone else humbly that we might need help with budgeting or we might need help with accountability. And maybe we need to do something like Financial Peace University or go to a class where we're among others that have these same questions in order that we might get these answers and in order that we might be together in this process. So our first point was about our trust. Our second point was about what does God want. Our third point here was How is our spirit? And that's about replacing our fear with faith. Now let's get to our fourth question. What are my motives? All of these points in my previous two sermons in this Inbox Zero sermon series has not been about the practice so much as about our heart, our motives, and our priorities. And if you're in your New Testament there still, turn over a few pages to your right to get to James chapter 4, verse 3. James chapter 4, verse 3. This was in our sermon last week, but we come back this week with just this single verse. That when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. You may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, we've got to have a balance there, of course, that God tells us to ask Him. God tells us He'll give us the desires of our heart. 
But if we're always asking with our own motives and our own pleasures and not according to God's will and not according to the needs of others in our life, we may not get. It says so right here. So it's the mind governing the heart. We definitely need a budget when it comes to our finances. We need help developing it. We need help and accountability and sticking to it. And we need a plan to do that. But behind all this is our motivation. When we create a budget, when we think about managing our money, we have to think about what does God desire for my money? Oh, wait a second. What does God desire for His money that He's entrusted me to steward? To change our mindset, to change our motivation, to release our own motives. And this is a point where we may have to confess. If we haven't already, at this point we may need to say, God, I am asking you to forgive me for treating it like my money instead of your money. Maybe the reason I'm having trouble managing it is I'm managing it as if it's my own as opposed to managing it as if it is yours, which it is. And if I get my mind right, and if I get my motives right, then my heart might be right. Some of us, it's our head that leads in decisions. Others, it's our heart that leads in decisions. I don't know what it is for you, but one way or the other, Satan's going to attack you at the one that leads, and you need to ask God to overcome the lies of Satan who comes to steal, kill, and destroy in order that you might submit to God, in order that you might be filled with faith, and in order that you might manage your money, wait, manage God's money according to His desires for your life. Let's move to your fifth question. That's what does God promise about my needs? Uh, this one, if you know the scripture, you might see this one coming, right? Um, granted, you got your outlines and you can see it coming, literally. And that's if you turn over in your Bible a few pages to the left to get to Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will meet or supply all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. All your needs. And all means all. Everything you need, God has promised to provide. If God is not providing for your needs, that means you must be spending some of the money He's given you on your wants that aren't your needs. That means somewhere along the way, God is trying to teach you need to pay attention. And my God will meet all your needs according to His riches in Christ's glory. So you'd have to make a list. What are my needs? Well, yeah, we need uh, housing. We need clothing. We need food. And on and on and on and on and on. What is it we need? And is God supplying them? It's a hard question to struggle with, frankly, because we don't want to admit these things that I think I need are really just my wants. We've talked about my trust. We've talked about God's desires. We talked about my spirit. We talked about my motives. And this fifth point is about my needs. The bottom line there is we've got to request God to supply all our needs. We've got to ask Him to do 
what this Scripture says. He knows our heart. He knows our minds. He knows our needs. And He promises to provide them. Have we asked Him? Have we submitted ourselves to Him based on what He's already provided that we might order it and manage it in the way that He would have us order it and manage it rather than the way that we would order it and manage it rather than it's our money, it is His money and we are stewards of it. What God has promised about our needs. Let's move to your sixth and final question. Have I committed my money management to God? That's one of those, all right, preacher, get a little serious there. All these other things you're talking about. But now you're asking me to be honest. Have I honestly committed the management of my money, oh, wait a second, God's money, to God? Turn back in your Bibles a few pages to the right. I should have told you when you were James to keep that marked because Hebrews is right next door to it. In Hebrews chapter 11 is what we call the hall of faith. And you would do well to read that and be inspired and see all those other biblical stories it refers back to. But there's this summary statement that, again, is a famous statement. You see it written on plaques and on uh, photos and on t-shirts and well, reason for that. Hebrews 11.6 And without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In the midst of this chapter we call the Hall of Faith, that it recounts all of these heroes of our faith. Let your eyes look on that chapter. I hope you've got your Bible open, whether it's electronic or whether it's paper. And see what it says there. In verse 1, now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's not a hope or a dream. It is genuine, a trust in God who can. And notice what it says in verse 4, by faith, Abel. In verse 5, by faith, Noah. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham. Verse 11, by faith, Abraham. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph. Verse 23, by faith, Moses. Verse 24, by faith, Moses. And on and on and on it goes. By faith. You get the picture. That it's by faith that God desires us to live, even when it has to do with His supplying of our needs and the management of our money. It is by faith. J. Hudson Taylor, a pioneer missionary to inland China, said, It's ours to obey and trust God with the results. It's about faith. We obey God and what He says to do in the management of our money and the stewardship of the resources that He provides and trust God to take care of the results because without faith, it's impossible to please God. We've talked about trust and desires and spirit and motives and needs. And here, this last point is about our commitment and that we respond in faith. We are Christ followers. And as followers of Christ, we live lives of faith. 
been about managing money, and none of these scriptures said anything about money. Right. They're all about your heart, your mind, your motivation, and your faith. And those things determine how you manage money. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we thank you that even though I didn't mention one today, the Bible is full of scriptures about money and about its stewardship for those who follow you. But beyond that are these questions of our motivation, our mind, our spirit, and our faith. And we come to you as your children and humbly say to you, Father, would you reveal to us where we lack faith in the management of our money that you might change our hearts and or our minds and strengthen our faith that we can do what you would have us do. So, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would set folks free today as they commit themselves to you. And, Father, we pray not just freedom financially, but more so freedom spiritually. That any who's here who's never trusted Christ Jesus as their Savior would do so, and even those watching on video, and let us know. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness to us and pray now that we would be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen.